I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to mini episode 180 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have five spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from April 13th 2022 and story number one comes from Suzanne. It was 2002. My daughter was two and it was just her and me who lived in our flat. She kept on telling me about seeing a boy in the bath. She said his name was Chris. He was aged 15 and he had black hair. A few weeks later I had a personal reading from a clairvoyant who told me I had a little girl but that I would also live with a boy but I wouldn't give birth to him. Maybe foster or adopt him. At the end of the reading she asked if I wanted to ask her anything so I told her what my daughter had seen. She said, Your daughter is too young to make all that up. She is telling you what she is seeing. And then said, I told you at the start you would be living with a girl and a boy. I told my neighbour about it and the colour drained from her face. A boy in the flat opposite us had died in the bath years earlier, before I'd lived there. His name was Chris and he was 15 with black hair. My daughter still sees things to this day and she's 22 now. I'd be going back to that clairvoyant and I was saying, excuse me, excuse me, you told me I'd be fostering or adopting a boy named Chris. Right? You said that, that, that I would be fostering or adopting. I'd be living with a boy. But no. What happened was I had a ghost teenager in my house. It's not the same thing. But in all seriousness, that is freaky. And kids, when they have imaginary friends, they're usually in around the same age. As far as I know, I don't have kids. But from what I know about kids, their imaginary friends are usually the same age. That is so specific that when she was in the bath, she'd see a boy whose name was Chris and he was 15 And then that boy actually died in the bath. What the heck? Don't know how many times we need to say it, but kids obviously have some sort of weird connection to things unseen and they just embrace it when they're kids. And in some cases they grow out of it when they're older, but obviously your daughter is now 22 and still seeing things. And story number two comes from Ian. Back in the early 90s, my cousin was a manager of a dog kennels in Salford, Greater Manchester, and he lived in a cottage that was on the grounds. There are other stories that my cousin could talk about living in that cottage, but this one involves me. The cottage was actually a gatehouse to a hall, but the hall had long gone, and this cottage was all that was left of the past scenery. Over the years, it had been a few things, but now it was a dog kennel, and my cousin had worked there for over 20 years. On Tuesday nights, my brother and I would go up to the cottage and we'd all have a curry and a few beers and then get the guitars and the drums out and have a jam. 
The reason why it was a Tuesday was the next day was my cousin's day off, so he didn't mind us all going up and making a noise. On Tuesday night, my brother and I went up as usual, ordered a curry and had a beer. The food arrived and we ate and had a jam. It may seem that I'm rushing through this, but the food and having a jam are just the ordinary part of the night. It's when we all went to bed that this night stays with me, and I think about it most weeks. My cousin went to his room, and my brother stayed in the spare room. I had to make do with the settee, or sofa, or couch, depending on who's listening. I nodded off, and at around 3am, I woke up with the TV white noise and fuzzy screen just like in the Poltergeist movie. I looked over at the TV which was in the recess where the fireplace should be, pointed the remote at it, and changed it over to one of those crappy shopping channels, and then turned the sound down. I lay there thinking I should nod off again soon, especially if this was on the TV. Just as I thought that, something went past me while I was laying on the settee. It wasn't an orb. It wasn't a wisp of white or anything like that. It was actually fully formed and blocked the TV from my view as it passed. I sat there looking at the TV trying to think what it was. What had just walked past me. And that I know it wasn't my imagination and I knew I was still awake. To be honest, I'd only had two cans of beer that night so I wasn't drunk. Just as these thoughts were in my mind, it walked past me again, back along the front of the settee from where it came, but this time, it actually touched my face. I looked out of the corner of my eye to see a brown frilly dress, with white lace edging, but it brushed my face and I knew it was really there. I waited a few seconds that felt like minutes, and then finally looked in the direction the dress had gone, which was to my feet. When I looked... I saw that where the wall was, which was a solid wall, was now an archway, and I just lay there thinking, I know that's not right. Then, at the right side of the archway, something moved. I looked down where I saw something dark, and then to my utter disbelief, a little girl with long brown hair poked her head around the arch and smiled at me. Now, I could say that I wasn't scared and thought, oh, how interesting, but no, In my mind, I said every swear word you could think of, gripped the quilt in my hands and pulled it over my head. I just kept thinking, no, 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 and at some point I fell asleep. I have been back to the cottage in recent years. My cousin hasn't worked there in years, and it isn't the same kennels now either. I asked one of the people who worked there whether the new owners ever said anything about seeing anything, but they said no. At the beginning of this story, I said I wish I could have gotten more from it, in which I mean I wished I'd spoken to the little girl to see who she was. But I suppose it's just a moment in time lost forever. I think in some way, most people when they have a ghost incident or experience that isn't malevolent, right? If you think it's kind of innocent, it was a kid or it was just like a uh, echo in time. I think most people would think, oh, in hindsight, I wish... I had spoken to that that entity or if I just said something or tried to find out more about them. But in reality, in that moment, you are shitting yourself. It is too scary to be stopping and saying, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know. But it kind of sounds like that what you experienced was more like a time slip rather than a haunting. Because you said there was an archway that shouldn't have been there. And then a little girl looked out from the archway like maybe it was a time slip. Maybe at some time in the past, some little girl had this really weird experience where she looked through an archway and through the archway there was 
a man lying on a sofa watching this magical box that was all moving colours and stuff. That's the thing that blows my mind about time slips is that somebody else on the other end likely experienced that time slip too, but from a different perspective. They are watching you appear in their timeline, which is great when you think about it. And story number three comes from Erin. My story starts in 2003. We were living in a small town in Georgia in the USA when I was about six years old. The town we were living in had a lot of old and dark history attached to it, especially in the part of town we were living in at the time. It was an apartment building that had four units inside, and we lived on the second floor to the right. The building had once been the first county jail as well as a boarding house, which in itself is extremely heavy with darkness. My mom, my brothers, my youngest brother's dad and I all went out of town for a wrestling match, as my then stepdad was a professional wrestler at the time. All of us kids stayed at his mom's house because the match was going to end pretty late. She was a woman strong in her Catholic faith, and I felt like I could confide in her. I remember sitting on the bar stool at the counter and talking with her about things. One thing specifically being a black figure would visit me every single night trying to lure me out to the train tracks, and it smelled like garbage. Later on, she talked with my mom and stepdad about it, and they freaked out. They initially thought that someone was breaking into our apartment trying to kidnap me or something, so they locked all the windows and changed the locks on both doors in the hopes that the issue would stop. It, of course, didn't. My mom tried numerous things, salt on the entrances, cleansing the house, a pastor coming in to bless it, a priest coming in to bless it, trying holy oil herself, and nothing worked. A bit later it was Easter Sunday, and we were all in the living room watching The Passion of the Christ. My mom had a painting on the wall, two swans in the painting, and the frame had a wire back for hanging securely. The scene where the devil screams as he learns what Jesus has done and is risen We watched as the painting was lifted up off the wall and flew across the room, nearly hitting my little brother in the head. That was the final straw, and we ended up moving just down the street thinking that would solve the problem, which again, it didn't. It was now around 2005-2006 and I wasn't sleeping alone anymore. I had started to sleep with my little brother every night because I was too scared to be alone. I did briefly have my own room off the kitchen in the back of the house, but I hardly ever slept in it. My mom started having some weird dreams about the house and the grounds it sat on, but I ended up just sharing a room with my brother since I was sleeping in there every night anyway. Time was going by and I was not noticing anything weird was happening to me per se, but something was definitely happening and was lingering around in the night time. In our closet there was an old attic entryway that one would have to push up and slide over to get into the attic. Every morning it would be open, and my mom would close it. This was happening every single morning. This was an old house, but we knew it wasn't the house that was haunted. It was me. I had a demon attached to me and it followed us there. My mom and my brother's dad have since separated. It was the middle of the night and she was woken up by a heavy shove-like tap to her shoulder. She looked up and saw this black, tall figure leaning over into her face. It made no indentation on the bed as if it was weightless and it smelled like sulphur. 
she began praying and demanded that I'd leave her home in the name of Jesus. She must have done something right, because she watched as the thing nearly folded up and flew out her bedroom window without the window shattering. We had since moved out and some years had passed. We were then living a couple of towns over in a cabin in the woods. Typical horror movie scene and creepy as hell, I know. There were two rooms upstairs where my brother shared a bedroom and I had my own room with a balcony and stairs leading down to the main part of the front porch and a small storage area door behind the garden tub in the corner of the room. I was always scared of that balcony door and I was absolutely terrified of the small storage door so I always slept in my brother's room. We didn't live there for long at all but in the time we were there my mom had a dream about me. Only it wasn't me. In her dream, it was winter time. My grandma had went upstairs to get two dogs out of that creepy-ass storage area in my room with the creepy-ass little door, which was physically impossible for my grandma as she can't walk up spiral stairs and we didn't even have two dogs in real life. My mom walked into the living room and my grandma was walking down the stairs, but she was not alone. I was behind her. My mom was shocked and knew that the thing was not her daughter as I was fast asleep on a pallet on the floor with my brothers in my mom's room because it was winter time and we needed warmth. She nonchalantly told my grandma and showed her that I was in the room sleeping. She then demanded that the demon leave her home and leave her daughter alone in the name of Jesus. That's when the entity jumped into my grandma and started to choke my mom which was enough to wake my mom up. Not because of the dream, but because she was being choked in real life and had red marks and bruises around her throat to prove it. Things have since calmed down, and I don't feel the heaviness around me anymore. I've lived in several haunted houses, but nothing compares to the torment of a demon. Whatever that was that was following you guys from house to house sounds absolutely terrifying. I'm really glad that you had your grandmother to confide in and to be able to say, look, I'm really scared, some weird shit is going on. If anything, so that your parents could actually make sure somebody wasn't actually breaking into the house. Because that would be a genuine concern If I was a parent in that situation too, I'd be thinking, oh my God, what if somebody is coming into the house at night time and she is kind of uh, understanding it as like a monster or whatever. So it's always the right thing to do, I think, is to speak to to speak to somebody about it. But it just sounds awful. And then for your mom to wake up and have that thing fly out the window and the attic door being open every morning. No, no, all of it's awful really, isn't it? And you know, it's funny, I haven't seen The Passion of the Christ in a very long time. I think I only saw it once. And really the only things I remember about it are the scenes with the devil in it. What does that say about me? But I remember the when you said about the scene where the devil is screaming because he realises that like Jesus is risen, blah, blah, blah. I remembered the exact scene. And the scene, if you've not seen The Passion of the Christ for a long time, and the scene where the devil is moving through the crowd and holding that giant man baby. Anybody else remember that? So weird. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And story number four comes from Brit. My story is a short one, but it happened to me during high school. I was probably around 16 years old. I was sitting in my kitchen before school eating a bowl of cereal, a very normal day in a small Pennsylvania town. While I was eating, I felt almost like a chill on the back of my neck. I don't recall reacting to this, but directly after I felt something else. The only way to describe what I felt would be Imagine someone squeezing an ice cube and having one freezing cold drop run down your entire arm. The freaky thing was nobody was at home and my arm was bent at a 90 degree angle because I was eating. It freaked me out so I just got up startled, looked around to see what it was. When I didn't see anyone else at home I looked at my arm and there was a clear white mark that ran down my entire arm like a giant fresh scratch that began to turn slightly red and puffy. I don't know how to explain this. Absolutely nothing would be able to do that. But that's my story and luckily it hasn't happened since. I don't know how to explain that either. And I was going to say, you know, maybe it was about like a a physical symptom of something rather than it being like supernatural. So to give an example about what I mean, when I get a migraine, I get horrific pins and needles that like starts in my baby finger and works the way, works its way around my hand and then up my arm and it happens really suddenly and it can be really scary when it happens so I thought oh maybe it was like a a, a physical symptom of something but then the scratch down your arm that doesn't really make any sense I don't really know what to tell you I can't imagine what would cause that if anybody does have any ideas about what would cause that then please let us know and story number five comes from Ivan now Ivan sent me this story and it was sent to him by a friend So he, like a very good listener, forwarded it on to me. Now, I realised when I was reading this story that this story is actually a no-sleep story. If you don't know what a no-sleep story is, it's a story from Reddit where people write in stories and everyone just accepts that they're true. I do no-sleep stories on the Patreon all the time. So I just don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to flog a no-sleep story as a listener story. But this was sent to me by Ivan. It is a no-sleep story. So let's get into it. So my dad is a professor at a university in Canada and he received a very strange email from one of his students. He showed it to me and we laughed about it. But things quickly got weird when we found out the student had gone missing. My dad brought it to the authorities and they told him that others had received the same email. It's currently an open case and I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share this but it's really creepy. I hope they find him and I hope this isn't real. Email subject. I'm afraid. If you're reading this, know that I am afraid. I have no one to turn to. All I can do is try and explain the fear that has haunted me every year since I was born. I see no point in protecting this family secret, as I have since been deserted by them. I am alone this time around, and I am afraid that I won't make it out alive. For most of my life, you could say I had a pretty regular upbringing. I was raised by loving parents 
encouraged to get good grades in school, got grounded if I fell out of line and being the youngest of three, was always pushed around by my brother and sister. In many ways, I was like every other kid. My family made it especially important that I feel that way. But by no means did we live an ordinary life. You see, like everyone else, I had a birthday. Only it wasn't what others would consider a celebration. The earliest memory I have of a birthday is on the eve of my fourth. I remember driving for hours through the country roads with my family up to a lonely cabin in the middle of nowhere. Upon arriving, my father took me into a room in the basement with my sister, who was seven at the time. He left us there with a couple of toys and told us to sit quietly and play no matter what we heard upstairs. Now, early memories are a strange thing. As a child, you don't really know what you actually recall and what's your imagination. I always struggled with one particular detail of that night as I grew up. It wasn't the fact that my sister and I were locked in what seemed like a fortified room. It was the fact that my parents and my brother, who was ten at the time, were brandishing rifles and weapons. At that age, I convinced myself it must have been in my head. But as I got older, that illusion dissipated. That morning, I remember my sister and I being blindfolded out of the cabin before being loaded into a car. The ride home was strangely quiet. My parents were exhausted and beat and I'll never forget the look on my brother's face. He was never the same after that day. After that night, things went back to normal. As I entered preschool that year, like most kids, I attended a string of birthday parties for my classmates, all of which included cake, presents, piñatas and goodie bags. A very big contrast to what I experienced on the anniversary of my birth and of my siblings. Although at least we went to the cabin for mine. I was a pretty observant kid. I quickly realised that something was off as I got older. When I asked my mother for a birthday party like that of my friends, she dismissed the idea and told me that one day I would understand. The following birthdays were almost exactly the same, only it seemed my family was doing a better job at hiding whatever it was I thought I saw on that previous birthday, perhaps realising that I started retaining information at that age. The basement I previously remembered as fortified was now full of colour and looked like a playroom with eight different types of locks on the door. Given the evidence, I always assumed that my family was having an adult gathering in the cabin upstairs, a celebration too mature for me and my sister. The sounds I would hear creak through the ceiling gave the impression of loud and rowdy behaviour. I remember listening to the commotion and wondering what could be going on. I'd imagine that the echoing bangs from outside the basement walls were fireworks. The loud screams belonged to the excited, extended family I never met. My young and arrogant self fantasised that it was a celebration in my honour. On my seventh birthday, like usual, my father brought me down to the basement, only this time I was alone. My sister, having turned ten that year, was finally old enough to take part in the celebration, I presumed. On the ride home that morning, something changed in my sister. The look on her face was similar to my brother's on that morning after my fourth birthday. She too was never the same. I always wondered what changed. My siblings almost resented me, ignoring me and keeping their distance. Even through all the tense silences, they were very protective of me and I didn't know why. Sometime during that year, as I waited for my siblings at the bus stop after school, something strange happened. 
An old lady stood a foot away from me, looking through my soul with her piercing eyes that seemed almost pitch black. The way her skin wrapped around her bones was unusual. She murmured some words under her breath before a creepy smile spanned across her face. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shaken. When my brother arrived, he pulled me behind his back as my sister defensively stood up to the old lady with her own piercing gaze. They didn't say a word to her, but as my brother pulled me away, I looked back at the old lady and read her lips. I'll be seeing you soon. I don't want to paint the picture that my family and I didn't have great times or fun memories because we did. However, the closer we got to my birthday, I'd always feel a sense of tense uncertainty around the dinner table. I knew something was going on. My father would take my brother and sister somewhere for hours while my mom and I stayed home. I was being kept in the dark about something that much I knew. It wasn't until a couple of months before my 10th birthday that I realised I would soon come face to face with the truth. After all, turning 10 seemed to be what got you out of the cabin basement. Three months before I turned 10, my mother and my father sat me down at the table finally revealing the truth. To this day, I feel like I haven't woken up from one long nightmare. This is where you might think what I'm writing is something made up, but I assure you it is not. Please do not stop reading. I need somebody to understand. I don't know the specifics as my parents only told me what I needed to know. But before they immigrated to Canada, they were unable to conceive and were desperate to have children. So they went to a woman who dealt in black magic and she somehow made it happen and that's when my brother was born. After my sister was born and my mother was pregnant with me, my parents decided to move to Canada to give us a better shot at life. Again, I'm not too sure on the details, but something happened between the deal my parents had with the woman and she cursed them. The next words out of my parents' mouth changed my life forever. The curse was on their youngest child. That they be returned to the entity that gave them the ability to conceive. It was this revelation that made everything make sense. I know what I'm about to say may sound ridiculous to whoever reads this, but it's not a joke. Every year on the anniversary of my birth, something evil comes for me. It has a name, but it should never be repeated. It is not from this world. It is not human. From midnight to dead hour, it comes after me relentlessly. Since I was a child, my parents have protected me from it. And when my siblings became old enough to fight, they too protected me from it. That tenth year of my existence was the first time I would face it with my family. Everything made sense after that talk. I revisited those memories of being locked in the basement. All the shaking and rattling of the cabin, the booming sounds of fireworks and the loud shots and screams. They were never the celebration I imagined them to be. It was my family defending me from the clutches of the beast I'd soon come to know. I finally understood the looming uncertainty, fear and anxiousness that came over my family as my birthday approached. Knowing that the days were bringing us closer and closer to a horrifying task, face to face with something insidious and evil, I knew now why my brother and sister resented me. They were children, and they were forced to face a monster in order to protect their little brother. I found out the mysterious trips my father would take my siblings on were to a gun range he made close to the cabin. I joined them a few weeks before my birthday. I had never held a rifle before. My father made sure that I could at least shoot straight. 
He never said much while he taught us how to reload a rifle and aim down its sights. But on the last day at the gun range, he told me something I would never forget. It can be stopped, but it cannot be killed. Every time you put it down, it will come back stronger. One night of bravery and strength for a year of life. Amongst the shared fear of his children, he smiled. He could see the fear in her eyes. His children standing there with rifles taller than them. It made him laugh for a moment. I miss him dearly. The first time I was to face the creature, my parents considered putting me back in the basement to keep me safe. I told them I would only be more afraid being alone, knowing something was after me. For the first time in my life, I experienced what it was like to not be locked away. We would unload the car of the rifles and ammunition, fortify the windows, set traps around the perimeter of the cabin and after sunset, sit down for a family dinner. I was too afraid for an appetite, shaking in my chair. Out of the silence, my brother laughed and then my mother and then my sister and my father. They had faced this creature for years, but for me, it was the first time. Midnight approached. Outside the cabin was an ocean of darkness. Nothing but trees for miles. We sat in silence watching the flames flicker in the fireplace. I asked the question that had been haunting me since I first learned the truth. What happens if it takes me? My family assured me it wouldn't happen, but that wasn't an answer. A distant scream came from outside as soon as the clock hit midnight. I froze. All I could do was hide in the corner with the rifle in my hands. My father shouted orders to my siblings and my mother and just like that I saw it. Through the window running on its arms and legs like a dog towards us. It looked human but the way it moved was anything but. Pale skin and protruding bones. It hit a trap before I could see its face. It screeched in pain fighting off the bear trap around its leg. My father went out and put it down. Then another scream, this time on the other side of the cabin. My father ran back in. Every member of my family had a window covered. I was the only one cowardly crying on the floor. I couldn't believe it was all real. For hours the creature attacked, coming out of the ground after every previous version of it was put down bullet after bullet. A few hours in it was silent. I went over to the window and that's when it grabbed me. It pounced through the window and pulled me by the leg so fast that I hit my head off the ground. I woke up in the hospital the next day. I watched as my parents flawlessly lied to the nurse about the biking accident that gave me a concussion. At that moment I was truly convinced that it had all been a dream. My parents were disappointed. For the rest of that year my father took me to the gun range every weekend. As my 11th birthday approached, they decided that it was too risky to have me fight alongside them, so back to the basement I went, only this time medicated so that I could sleep through the night. I would always ask about the creature, what it was, where it came from, and all I knew was that it wasn't from this world. I found out that it could take the form of others to get close to me, but only during those four hours on my birthday from midnight to dead hour could it actually come for me. This is one of the reasons my parents built a cabin miles away from any population. It would only be us against the creature, with no one else around to get hurt or get in the way. The second time I faced the creature was on my 16th birthday. I was no longer a whimpering coward. I convinced my parents I could stand on my own, fight on my own battle, so I did. 
It didn't look the way it did before. The creature changed. It was bigger, stronger. It didn't go down easy. We never let it get as close as it did that first time around. We changed our strategy and our weapons, but every year it learned and adapted. The cabin deteriorated with every passing year. We did our best to fix it up, but the damages were becoming more significant. I'd see it in my nightmares, the creature calling me, the excruciating pain that came at its hands, the darkness of the place it would drag me to. I would see people throughout the years staring at me in the distance, their skin hanging off their bones, just human enough to not call attention. I knew it was the creature. I became used to it. As I got older, I could feel it wanted me more. It kept getting closer and closer every time we fought it. Two years ago, my father died of prostate cancer four months before my birthday. He died surrounded by all of us, made each of them promise to protect me. I hated that, but I did need them. That year, we fought the creature, only four of us. It got close. I could look into its pale, dead eyes. Since my father passed, my mother's mental health has deteriorated. My brother started a family and told me he could no longer be there to protect me. Last year, it was only my sister and I that drove up to the cabin. That was the longest night of our lives. It took everything we had to keep the creature away and even then, it got close enough to claw her. I took her to the hospital the morning after and told the doctors we were hiking in the woods when an animal attacked her. He believed us. I sat beside her as she recovered. When she woke up, she told me that she couldn't do it anymore. She wanted to travel and live in new places, eventually settle down and start a family. I understood. I was afraid, but I reassured her that I would be fine on my own. I hate myself. This curse that follows me has brought nothing but pain and fear to my family. I want this to end, but I don't know how. I'm so angry at my family for deserting me, but I don't blame them. I visit my mom from time to time to see how she's doing. My brother won't speak to me. My sister hardly answers my calls. I'm too afraid to make friends and to find a partner because I don't want to drag them into this. I write this as I sit alone in the cabin. It's my birthday in a few hours. I'm turning 21 and I'm afraid. I don't know if I'll make it out alive this time. For the last few weeks, my nightmares have kept me from sleeping. A part of me doesn't want to fight it anymore but I fear that my fate would be much worse if I let it take me. I don't know if I'll be a match for it, facing it on my own. I wish I could be certain that I'll be around for tomorrow, but I'm not certain. This is why I'm writing to you. If you don't hear from me again, here is the cabin's location. Stay on the dirt road clear of the traps. If I live to see another day, I'll be returning to my homeland to find the woman responsible for this curse and put an end to it all. Wish me luck. Now, ordinarily, I don't read stories like that on the main podcast in the mini episodes because it is a no sleep story. It is a creative writing story and it is designed to be scary. And in the no sleep thread, everyone sort of pretends that it's real and they all comment on it as if it's real. It's a really interesting place, the no sleep thread on Reddit. But I made an exception for this one because I just really enjoyed the story and I hope you enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Suzanne. 
Ian, Aaron, Britt and Ivan for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from April the 13th, 2022. A little casual reminder that if you want to vote for Real Life Ghost Stories podcast in the Irish Podcast Awards and the Listener's Choice Award, then please do so. The link is in the description. If you want to find out anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can do so by checking out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you would like to sign up to Patreon, it is patreon.com forward slash Stories where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content and every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Rory and Kid here from the award-winning podcast This Paranormal Life. Every week we investigate a paranormal story and decide if it's real or a hoax. Like the time a guy claimed he punched Bigfoot. Or when a UFO showed up at a football game in front of thousands of people. Each episode has sound effects, music, and storytelling that feels so real, you'll never sleep again. You will. Stop it. You're going to scare away new listeners. Check out This Paranormal Life every Tuesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.